Hey everyone, and welcome to part four of The Chosen One, also known as The Believer. Now, I will be releasing this as a graphic novel, so stay tuned for that, as well as a short story novel with a front and back cover, of course, just like a regular book. While I'm in the works on making that happen and working with some very talented artists, I hope you enjoy the final conclusion to part four of The Chosen One, The Believer. The king rushed back to the village as he looked to the sky and saw the underbelly of the massive Yato ships passing over him. As fast as his steed swam, it wasn't quick enough. The king's powerful strokes through the water propelled him forwards with a speed that defied nature. Riding atop Girdosa, whose scales shimmered like a thousand suns beneath the moon's light, the water creature's roars echoed, a sound of ancient power and fury, as it sensed the urgency and danger of the moment. Reaching the palace shores, the king leapt off, his cloak flapping behind him like a dark flag of war. His feet barely touched the ground as he sprinted towards the high walls and arching towers of his kingdom's last stronghold. The air was heavy, with a mix of fear and determination. Every step he took was faster, driven by the weight of his responsibility and the looming threats overhead. The sky darkened as the Yato ships descended, their forms blotting out the stars, a swarm of darkness against the celestial tapestry. Their presence was an omen, a shadow of doom that had finally come to pass. The king's heart pounded not with fear, but with a fierce resolve to protect his realm and the boy who held the key to their salvation. As he burst through the palace doors, the chaos of preparation and defense met his eyes. Soldiers rushed to their positions, archers took to the battlements, and mages chanted incantations of protection. Amidst the flurry, the king's gaze was like a beacon, cutting through the uncertainty and rallying his people with an unspoken promise of steadfast leadership. He made his way to William's quarters, the echoes of his heavy boots resounding in the empty halls. As he entered, he saw the boy, still in the throes of exhaustion and haunted by the visions he'd been forced to witness. The king's face softened for a moment, a rare glimpse of the burden he carried, not just as a ruler, but as a guardian to this young, untested soul. William, he said, his voice a mix of urgency and reassurance. The time has come sooner than we anticipated. The enemy is at our gates, and we must stand together. You've seen the horrors that await should we fail. I know you are afraid, and that is all right. Fear reminds us that we are alive and what we're fighting to protect. But within you is a power, a destiny that even the stars cannot deny. William's eyes, heavy with sleep and confusion, met the king's. There was a moment, a silent communication between a mentor and his protege, a transfer of trust and hope. Outside, the sounds of the approaching threat grew louder, a symphony of impending doom. The king extended his hand to William, helping him to his feet. You are not alone in this. We stand together, as a kingdom, as a people bound by the will to survive and thrive. You, William, are the spark that will light our darkest hour. Together, they walked out of the quarters, the king tall and imposing, and William still unsure but steadied by the king's confidence. They walked past the courtyard where all the warriors and villages stood, ready to fight. Hey, where are we going? The villagers are over there. Why do the bells toll? What's happening? Is he back? 
The king fell silent and continued to lead William to a black door with red triangular knobs that were welded unmovable, covered in wriggling poisonous vines. The king waved his hand over the door and the vines vanished. He looked at William in the eyes and said, You are our only hope. Opening the door, he shoved William inside and locked it, leaving him there, as he turned swiftly and went to meet his men and the rest of the villagers. Stepping into the courtyard, where soldiers, citizens, allies all gathered, their faces a mixture of fear, determination, and hope. The king addressed them all, his voice carrying over the crowd, strong and clear. Today, we face our greatest challenge, an enemy that seeks to extinguish the light of our world. But we are not mere members waiting to fade. We are a fire that will burn bright and fierce. We stand together, each of us a warrior in our own right, united by a common cause. Look to your left, to your right. These are your brothers and sisters in arms. Together, we will hold the darkness at bay for our home, for our families, for the future. A roar of agreement rose from the crowd, a sound that would carry into the night and into the heart of every being that stood against the darkness. The battle was about to begin, and the fate of the worlds hung in the balance, ready to defend their home against the encroaching shadows. As the first ship broke through the clouds, a new chapter in the saga of their lives was about to be written, one of courage, sacrifice, and the unyielding spirit of those who stand against the dark, even against all odds. Hello? said William into the large echo that reverberated back to his ears. A giant room of all white, as far as the eye could see. What is this place? he thought. Hello? His voice echoed a thousand times into nothingness. Walking into what seemed like the middle of the infinite ether, he turned around over and over again to see his surroundings, as if something were watching him. Still tired from his performance earlier, he sprang awake as 15 guards came running at him from all sides. They literally just apparated out of thin air, but what? Before William could even think, one of them beat him across the back of the head with a club, knocking him down. As the others neared with caution, each with a different respective weapon, William felt the warm blood leak down his neck. This was real. Another whack to his ribs. He screamed out in pain as the guards beat him. As the third came to kick him in the face, William's ancient instincts kicked in and he sent the guards flying back into the white fog. As he slowly got to his feet, the 15 guards ran at him again from all corners. Closing his eyes, William levitated unwillingly, but allowed his body the permission to do what it needed. They continued to beat him repeatedly, but he felt nothing, floating there in place, gliding over them as their weapons bounced off, causing little to no damage. William floated upside down and touched each one on the forehead, gently as they began to writhe in pain grabbing their minds as they were driven to insanity. They began fighting each other as William landed on the white floor, his eyes returning from the back of his head, and he watched them all kill each other in a frenzy. The ground shook. What was that noise? William turned to find a hulking monster silhouetted in the fog, 20 feet tall maybe, approaching him, ready to eat him whole. As William stood his ground, he allowed the creature to grab him as his eyes turned pure black. 
long spikes emerging from his body, piercing through the beast's hand, letting him go in pain as William floated in place. Gliding up to the creature's mouth, he grabbed its snout and climbed inside the beast, setting it on fire as he pushed his way only to emerge from within its chest, holding its heart in his hands, covered in blue organs and blood. It would seem William was allowing his powers to act freely, rather than trying to use his powers which was an inorganic forced action. When he pushed his abilities to happen, they didn't. However, out of desperation, when his body had no other choice than to act freely, autonomously, on instinct, it seemed that it was there to protect him. Could this be the ancient magic, or was it truly his abilities manifesting themselves? Emerging victorious with the large beating heart, he dropped it to the floor, exhausted. Several servants appeared, lifting William and taking him to a luxurious bed. Long table, full of every food that he could dream of, and not just food of this world, but of Earth, too. Burgers, pizza, rice, marinated meats and fruits, barbecue, cookies and desserts. William collapsed on his bed and slept for as long as he needed. Outside on the battlefield, the Yato landed their ships next to Erevor, the ship's ramp opening down as the warlock stepped out, his heavy boots thudding through the village as he walked. Both hands on his belt, scepter floating next to him like a dog, he looked around, smelling the air. Ah, I was hoping to forget the stink of this place, but it seems it's something unavoidable. One of the parents of the captured children ran at Erevor with a war cry and blade. As he jumped into the air to attack and avenge his child, he froze an inch from Erevor's face, who was found yawning. The villagers' limbs melted onto the sand as his body shook and his skin peeled off from the bone, leaving behind a floating skeleton who was pushed back into the man's wife as she grabbed it and screamed. Erevor smiled from the corner of his lips. You creatures never learn, do you? Ah, well, you're probably wondering what we're doing here. More children, of course, and one in particular for me. You just took our children, Erevor. No, 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 my old, weak master. The boy. He is for me. I want him. And the Yato Morkin. The king's advisor stood next to him, and they telepathically communicated. Where's the boy, sire? He is in the chamber of time. The king's advisor raised his eyebrow. But, sire! Yes, it is true. He will spend a year there. But to us, it will be no more than ten minutes at most. The chamber will equip him with his weaknesses and bring his powers out of him. If we can just hold them off until then... We don't have ten minutes, my lord. In an instant, our bones will be one with the sand that we hold foot on. The king remained silent, literally and telepathically. Erevor put his hands out, as if waiting for a gift. A surprised and entitled expression on his face. The king hated his humor. It must be a human thing, he thought. It was disgusting, revolting, and immature. The king sneered and thought, Only eight more minutes. Erevor walked towards the king as his guards pointed their spears at him. Oh, please. 
said Erevor as he used his magic to crush the helmets of every guard, like squeezing a fruit in a vice for juice as their blood leaked out. The villagers screamed, some ran, some fainted. Erevor turned to the crowd and spoke with his hands. I'll tell you what, for every minute that the boy isn't in my grasp, I will kill ten of your people. Does that sound fair? I'm feeling quite generous and playful today, King. Let's start with the first ten. You lot. Erevor pointed to a group of several families in the crowd. Come here. He motioned with his index finger. I said come. Erevor used his magic to pull all of the family to him as they screamed, each one dying a different way than the other. William woke from his sleep, hungry as can be, as he ran to the table and devoured food, the servants coming to him as he ate. Mmm, what is this place? Mm, this food is delicious. Hey, can I get some more meat, please? Immediately, all of the food that William requested appeared to him. However, the servants did not speak to him. They informed him of nothing. As he finished eating, fifty guards emerged and all came running. William sprang up from his chair, wiping his mouth of grease, ready to fight. Throwing a group into the ether, while sinking a few more into the floor, crushing several in place and turning some into flowers, while others burning into a pile of bones, William decided to see how creative he could get. All he needed to do was to believe like the king had told him. He allowed his eyes to roll back as they turned orange. He felt playful and free, beginning to believe his limits were merely just that, limits created by his mind. Breaking a piece off of the bones that lay there, he used it as a spear, shooting through every guard in the room at insidious speeds, so fast that it caught on fire and not only impaled his foe, but incinerated them at the same time. Twenty remained. The shard of bone shot into the air, broke into twenty pieces, and exploded at the guards like a frag grenade, all precise, hitting them in the head, keeping William safe, of course. He was mastering his abilities. Smiling, he was growing quite powerful. As the training continued for months, William tried new ways to reinvent his lethal abilities, his arrogance growing. I got this, he thought. No more did he fall into a deep slumber from exhaustion. His body was changing and adapting to his magic. Waiting for the next wave of enemies, his surroundings were no longer a mist of everlasting fog, but rather his street back home, as things lit on fire. He was back in this dream, his heart began to race, his fear reaching ungodly levels. He was being tested. Monsters like the ones that the Yato sent in his vision ran at him. These were different than the guards and beasts, of course. These were extremely powerful, hungry, vicious, magical creatures that he could tell had dark energy entranced within their possession. They ran at him as William opened the floor beneath their hoofs, dropping into the abyss as others behind leapt over. They were smart, learning from their fallen. One jumped at William and bit him in the shoulder as he screamed in pain, throwing the beast off as another tore his leg, sinking its massive fangs into him, allowing several more to rip into William with their sharp talons. William screaming with pain as he used his powers to throw the stones all around him, but to no use. These creatures were so powerful and had their own magic that they tore into him when, suddenly, a scream pierced the cacophony, a voice that he recognized. He turned to see beautiful Violet, not the burnt apparition from his visions, but the real, living Violet, 
cornered by a hulking enemy. Without thought, William shot lightning from his body as each hound was incinerated immediately as he floated, poorly, mind you, with extreme exhaustion, his feet dragging on the floor, tired and bleeding all over the place, badly. William! Violet's voice was a mix of relief and disbelief. How did you... He didn't have time to answer. He pulled her behind him, turning to face the next wave of attackers. They came, a relentless tide, but William met them with a fury that he'd never known. Each move, each burst of power, was a defiance, a refusal to let the darkness win. Beside him, Violet watched in awe and terror as William transformed before her eyes. No longer the boy that she knew, but a force of nature, a storm of power and rage. His hands moved with a fluid grace, a deadly ballet as he deflected, struck, and obliterated the enemies that surged towards them. William, what's happening to you? Violet's voice trembled, a mix of fear and fascination. I don't know, William replied between breaths, his eyes never leaving the advancing foes. But I can't stop now. Not when you're here, not when everyone's lives are at stake. The street around them became a war zone, the familiar houses and trees twisted into grotesque shapes, the air thick with the stench of burning and the sounds of chaos. The sky, once a serene blue, was now a swirling vortex of dark clouds, reflecting the turmoil below on Earth. William could feel the power coursing through him, through his very veins, an unending well of energy that responded to his every command. He could shape it, mold it, direct it with a thought, a gesture. It was intoxicating, the sense of control and strength, but behind it all, a thread of fear wove through his heart. What was he becoming? Could he control this power, or would it eventually control him? Look out! Violet's scream snapped him back into the moment, just in time to see a massive creature, a nightmare made of flesh, bearing down on them. Its eyes burned with a malevolent intelligence, its claws dripped with the promise of death. Without hesitation, William stepped forward, his power flaring around him like a shield. He met the creature head-on, a collision of forces that shook the very ground beneath their feet. The beast roared in fury, but William roared back. A primal sound that was more than human, more than anything he had ever been before. The battle raged on, a dance of destruction and defiance. With every move, William felt himself slipping further into the abyss of his power. The lines between man and magic blurring until he wasn't sure where one ended and the other began. Violet's presence anchored him, her voice a lifeline in the storm. But even she seemed distant, a figure in a dream that was quickly turning into a nightmare. As the beast lay defeated at his feet, William looked up at the devastation. The once familiar street, now an alien landscape of fire and ruin. He felt a surge of victory, of triumph, but it was hollow, empty. This wasn't the world he wanted to save, a world of ashes and sorrow. Violet approached him, her face a mask of concern and awe. William, you did it. You saved us. As he hugged her, she broke his arm, and he opened his eyes to see Erevor standing before him, laughing. <laughs> Stupid boy. Oh, Violet, Violet, why don't you look at her? Erevor pointed to that tree on the hilltop as Violet swung noose at the neck. William screamed and used his one arm to crush Erevor, who remained unharmed, laughing. 
this isn't real. You're not real. As William became dizzy, the image of Erevor, now hazy. I will devour this world, and when it is nothing but ash and bones, I will move to your world and make your people my slaves. In particular, sweet, innocent, violet, maybe, perhaps, she will be my plaything for eternity. <laughs> William's stomach fell to his feet. His arms burned with the hieroglyphs of the ancients, like tattoos all over his body, appearing through magic. His eyes fixated on Erevor, turning red with unbridled rage. The king's voice echoed in his mind. Don't be afraid. Let go. Let it all go. William breathed outwards from his nostrils. As he broke the time chamber, flying out into the night sky as he floated beneath the clouds, his gaze was drawn upwards to the swirling sky where more and more ships of the Yakto flew overhead, spawning smaller sprinter fighter ships into the skies, blasting the lands. The ships of the ancient Yakto descended like vultures, their intent clear and deadly. William summoned a shard of bone from his broken arm, turning it into a lethal knife, and sent it to every little sprinter ship in the sky, burning the lands, bringing them to a disastrous crash. Screams from the village could be heard as he darted through the night's thick, smoggy air. The speed of light, like a crack of lightning. William appeared at the village, but no one was there. Where was Erevor? The king, the villagers, the Yato. William walked through the wreckage of bodies and fire, the smell of magic lingering through the air. As he found the king's magic stick, grabbing it, he felt the pain it held in its final moments. No, whimpered William. He was too late. The smell of magic blew in the wind to his nose. The trail of blood and dust led him through the jungle. The palace, he thought. Racing through the skies, he was almost there when something punched him back to the village like a shockwave, hurling him miles into the sky. A chilling laugh pierced the silence. <laughs> Erevor emerged from a portal that he manifested, his presence dark and imposing. Reality burned like a flame moving up a wick, revealing the destruction of the place. Erevor was manipulating reality to reveal the king on his knees, the Yato's warriors holding blades to his throat, as they made him watch the elimination of his peoples. Behind him, the captured villagers, including the king, were bound in the ethereal chains, their eyes wide with fear. Ah, William, any longer and your king here would have seen the extinction of his village. Erevor used magic to throw another lifeless villager's body into the pit of the carcasses that he had amassed. We've all been waiting for you, as he flicked his finger and set them all ablaze. The villagers crying for the loss of their families. The king shrieking in agony and desperation, tears streaming down his wet face. William raised his hand, only to be sent back into a tree by Erevor. Stupid child. Ten thousand years I've owned my powers. You think one year in your little time chamber will rival me? The king shocked as Erevor turned his neck back to look right into his eyes. That's right, king. I know all about your chamber. 
I waited for the boy, even so. I fear nothing. I was the chosen one. The only difference is I was smart enough to see my potential and how it was wasted on you people who merely used me. The Yato trained me in all ways of magic and gave me what you could not. His head pounding, William got up quickly to meet Erevor who teleported to him, kneeing him in the mouth and pushing his heel to William's face, pressing in looking down upon him with a smug grin. You see, boy, once I'm done here and give the Yato what they want, I will take your powers and make them my own. Two halves will be once again complete after 10,000 years. I will become the most powerful being in all the universes. Speaking of which, after I'm done turning this world to bones and dust to pave way for the Yato to do as they please, I will enter the Eye of Reptoru and take your world and everyone you hold so dear in it, just like I told you in your little chamber. William's eyes widened. Oh, did you think that was a dream? Never doubt my powers, boy. William's eyes sparked with rage as he burst into flames, his entire body a raging fire as it burned Erevor's boot, who leaned in and shot a burst of cooling air from his mouth. Putting William out completely and back to his normal state, Erevor lifted his boot and laughed. <laughs> you truly think rage will defeat me? Erevor spoke to the boy, lifting his arms into the sky, summoning the clouds and lightning up above, readying his attack. As the storm brewed above, waiting for Erevor's command, he stopped and said to William, I wasn't lying, you know, yelling as the weather turned very volatile fast, yelling over the sound of swaying trees and thunder and lightning in the sky. William on his back, who was staring at the perilous sea of lightning above him as the oceans were angry, tides were rising, fixing his gaze on the dark wizard at his next words. That's right, Erevor smirked an ungodly evil grin again. Violet will be my little slave for eternity. She'll do whatever I... Lightning struck, but not William. It hit Erevor from the skies above. William floated in the air, his body shimmering in the moonlight, almost a silver aura visible. Erevor, who staggered back, looked up at William as he glided to meet him. The two ensued in the biggest clash of magic the galaxy had ever seen. Even the Yato were amazed and transfigured. The king knew that this was his time. This was his moment. Villagers, attack! A massive war broke out on the beach as the villagers fought tooth and nail against the Yato, and the king grabbed his spear and began to wield incantation after spell, using hand-to-hand -hand combat while incorporating curses to those that he defeated. This was a battle of the ages, 10,000 years in the making. The king tried to speak to William, but eventually Ten Yato got the best of him, putting him to his knees and pressing their blades to his neck. William's power grew and grew, rivaling dark mage, fire, ice, wind, earth, magical spells and curses thrown at one another, blurs of darkness and light, every color imaginable, the elements at their fingertips. The world seemed to blur around them, but to William, Erebor was as clear as could be. 
Flying straight into Erevor's fist, Urien grinned, shocking even his opponent at the level of insanity that the boy had been able to muster. Every spell that Erevor shot at William bounced off like it were rubber. This was all part of Erevor's plan. 10,000 years ago, when Erevor had come to this place through the Eye of Reptoru, he was trained by the king and his peoples, until the Yato did promise him a life with his old family, with his wife and children who had passed away on Earth during a war. And so, Erevor promised to work with the Yato in order to receive his family once again, to bring them back to life, but at a cost. In order to do so, Erevor had to split his powers and his soul into the life of another. He just had no idea that that power and soul would go into the life of a boy on Earth. But as the will of the universe would have it, it found itself within William, 10,000 years later. And so Erevor scoured the stars for 10,000 years to find his counterpart, to find the other half of his soul once again, until this moment right here. All he had to do was to get William to exhibit his full potential, to exhibit the full power of his rage. And the only way to do that is to taunt him. And he was playing the game just as Erevor wanted, falling into the Dark Wizard's trap. This was it, Erevor thought. The time was now to bind the boy and take his powers. Maybe then he could resurrect his family without the need of the Yato, and then they could all be wiped out too. William's rage continued to swell, becoming a unit of fire and electricity. The king, at his knees, was forced to watch, and what a spectacle it was. The boy was amazing, and only with a year's worth of training. His rage building and building. He would not let this monster take Violet, kill his parents, kill everything that he has come to love, destroy his world. No, he had to do something. William believed in himself, he believed in his powers, he believed he was the chosen one. Erevor was cast back, bleeding, when William floated over him and punched him as hard as he could square in the face with the power of 10,000 years of spells and magic. Erevor went flying back into the sand and the king smiled. No, please, I, 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 I will leave, I will leave this place, Erevor said. As William floated towards him, a god amongst men, extending his hand, shocking him with lightning, and covering his head with the sand itself. As the entire village and Yato watched, William put both hands overhead, ready to rip Erevor in half using magic, his voice sounding like a deity. You will never have my world. As William moved his hands downwards and apart to rip Erevor in half, he was frozen. He didn't understand. How could this be? William couldn't move. He was stuck, cast into the air and thrown upside down as Erevor lifted his head through the sand, revealing a massive smile. <laughs> his eyes closed as he began to sound the incantation. The spellbinding had begun. William's body writhed with pain. William couldn't move. All the power he had amassed was withering away. Time slowed as he glanced at Erevor, eyes closed, mumbling his curse. The king, far back in the village, shaking his body and head, screamed against the world for William to fight it. 
the bodies of the villagers burning, the people all suffering as the ships of the Yato continue to land and fly overhead, some still in the skies, opening up to emit smaller, one-man ships that flew down to continuously bomb and incinerate the world, the same ones that William had thought he destroyed. The sand flying everywhere, blowing into William's face, irritating him as he was paralyzed. The sand, he thought. It felt like a lifetime ago his feet were dug into the sand before he heard the eye of Reptoru calling for him. He would miss his world, his life, all those he cared for, remembering everything. He thought of his mother and his father and his siblings, his friends. Weekends of having Charlie and Tanner over to play Smash Bros in the basement, full of their favorite pizza from down the street. Laughing, having fun. He had a great childhood, a great adulthood, if he could even call it that. This world would soon be captured by these evil beings, and then his world, and everything he knew would die a horrible death. He was sorry, to the villagers, to the king, his parents and friends, even to his enemies back home, the people who bullied him and made his life difficult. He failed them all. Erevor was just too powerful and experienced. These last moments were filled with memories of laughter and life that William had come to cherish. He would miss it, but he was happy that he got to live it. As the life force drained from within him, he was awake just enough to feel the warm breeze brush his hair. It almost felt like someone's hand flowed through it, just the same way Violet used to. He remembered her, how her beautiful face would light up at the sight of him, how her cheeks would blush when he held her hand, and the thought of what their children would look like someday. William used the power of love that he had for everyone, even for Erevor, recognizing that this man was a slave to his love for his dead wife. He pitied him. William mustered the power to close his eyes and allow himself to die peacefully, feeling the energy leaving his body, the magic leaving his life force, his soul. Without knowing it, William was conjuring the most powerful spell of all, the spell of love, of light in its purest form. He was full of clean energy. As he opened his eyes, he found himself feeling warm and calm. Even in his last breaths, the air was still, William took one last big breath in through his nose as he closed his eyes. I wish I could save you all. When he fell on top of his head, looking around, he saw Erevor crawling in the sandy desert. But where were the villagers? It was daytime. He looked up at the sky. It was bright blue. He was in the world through the king's palace again. This is where he first met Erevor. What felt like a year ago to him... How did I end up here? He thought. Am I dead? Seems like any time he couldn't explain something, William thought he was dead. Erevor got up. Why are we here? What happened? I had you. The spell was almost complete. William realized he must have teleported them with his wish of purity. His powers did not stem just from rage, but even more so from love, from calmness, the love he had within himself for others. This was the power that Erevor sought, but the power that he would never wield, for the very darkness that wrought his heart in turn laid no fertile soil for this tree to grow. For inside, Erevor was dead, just like his wife and children. Erevor tried to run for the door behind William, 
the portal leading back to the village. William looked at the incantations on his arm from the chamber of time, and they began to glow red. He closed his eyes and allowed his body to move. He could feel nine celestial bodies around him as they guided him with hands into formations that he did not understand. But he was open to it, receptive. Freezing Erevor in an invisible cube, the dark wizard banged on it frantically, screaming. But no one could hear him. He could not be heard. He looked quite pathetic there as he used spell after spell to get out, to no avail. He summoned his scepter and tried everything that he could, to no success. William felt sorry for him. He walked up to the cube and laid a finger on it as Erevor watched in a rage, pointing his index finger and reaching through the glass cube. He touched the old wizard on the center of his forehead as Erevor stopped immediately, turned in excitement, and began pantomiming as if he were stroking a little girl's hair, helping to braid it. All in make-believe, of course. William smiled. He turned and teleported back to the village. The Yato had barely moved from when he went to the other planet with Erevor, binding him to his invisible cell. It was as if time had stayed still. William walked up to the Yato that held swords to the king's neck, moving so fast that no one could even see him. He observed their faces, grotesque, some gray, some khaki brown, flattened noses, long, thick black hair, tiny beady little eyes and a mouth that opened vertically to reveal massive pincers and sharp teeth as they drooled. Some even had scales for skin. He appreciated the other species of the galaxy, for they were all creatures of the universe, just lost in their way. But boy were these ugly. He touched the earth with his finger as he watched them all turn and get into their ships, blasting off into space, never to return. Time resumed and William looked at the king, stress and pain in his face. Understanding what William had done, the whole village cried and cheered for William. How, said the king, how you used your fear to guide you, yes? No, said William, I used my love to power me. The king smiled and embraced the boy, and the villagers all chanted in unison, Ubayaki, 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 Ubayaki. So, said William, you ever going to tell me what that means? The king stood and smiled. It means the believer. The night was filled with laughter and tears as they buried their loved ones and rejoiced for the new life that they were now given. Freedom. As the sun rose on the new day, William knew his journey was far from over. But for now, he longed for home. The king, understanding this, guided him to the Eye of Reptoru, now a gateway rather than a trap. They looked at one another, the entire village on boats to see William off, thanking the believer, the chosen one, for saving them. Including the sea serpent, of course, that helped William the first time that he arrived there. Will I ever see you again? said William to the king. It is written in the stars. Yes, we will. But when the time is right, one Earth Day for you is a long time for us here. William looked up at the king, saddened. How old are you? The king looked to the sky and thought. Hmm. 14,723 years old, I think. And I'm not even in my prime yet. 
They embraced one another, laughing, and William walked into the ocean, each stride taking him deeper and deeper as the king yelled out to him. Believer? Yes? What did you do with Erevor? William grinned and looked to the skies. Let's just say he's back with his family. William pointed his index finger to his mind, tapping it a few times. Instead of causing chaos, he made Erevor believe that he was back home with his wife and daughter. The jail that he put him in was now a paradise. The king smiled. The boy truly was the chosen one. With a heavy heart, William stepped through the portal as the villagers screamed goodbye as it disappeared behind him. The night was still, finding himself back on the beach of his vacation, as if no time had passed at all. He looked around. Everything was calm and serene, the moon reflecting on the gentle waves. But as he turned to leave, something popped up through the surface of the ocean. A small, glowing orb landed, nestled in the sand. He picked it up, feeling a warm, comforting energy. It was a piece off of the king's scepter that he must have thrown through, a reminder of his journey and the battles that were fought, to always believe in himself and to remember that they will see each other again. With a deep breath, William walked back to his hotel, the orb in his pocket. The memories of his adventure etched into his soul. He was back on Earth, but he knew somewhere out in the vastness of the universe, his story had just begun. Thank you everyone for watching and listening to The Believer, The Chosen One. This of course was a short story and so I had to rush a lot of things, otherwise it would have turned into a full novel. But it is my dream one day to perhaps make that happen. However, in the meantime, I will be working on creating this into a graphic novel, as well as a regular short story book. The whole thing will take you probably an hour and a half to read from start to finish, but I'm going to include a lot more extra things in there and I'll let you know when that's available. It shouldn't be too long, so keep your eyes out for it. And with that, we say goodbye to William and the King and the village people as we embark on our next short story. Leave a like on this video if you enjoyed this one, and I will create a massive compilation of The Believer, The Chosen One, in its entirety for your viewing and listening convenience. Thanks so much for your time, and remember to always believe. Believe.